Welcome to Round Rock Church of Christ. We're glad you're listening. If you're in the Austin area, we'd love to have you join us this Sunday at 8.30 or 10 a.m. Or you can check us out and watch online at roundrockchurch.us. May God bless you as you seek Him, and may He use this message to give you exactly what you need. Well, it's um, this is it's been three months since uh, uh, Sandy and I started uh, coming and being with you. At three months as your your interim preacher, and uh, I just want to tell you how much we are enjoying our time with you. Uh, this is a good, good church. I mean, really, a good, good church, and I I hope you see that. Um, I know sometimes we can always think that, you know, the grass is greener, that kind of thing, and other, other places, and that's true in some ways, but, um, you know, I see a lot of churches, and I've been a part of a lot of churches, and this one really is something special, and I, I hope you appreciate that. I hope you thank God for that, uh, and if you're kind of been at a point where you're ready to move a little deeper into the church life, uh, be sure and talk to Matt. Someone can help you find Matt, and he's the person who can help you do that. And I think that's especially true as we begin to uh, kind of resurface and, and church uh, takes that next step toward being who we really are and being together. I am so thankful that we live in a time where we could have an online service, and that's been a good thing. But that's, that's not really um, the healthiest long-term solution for most people. There are some people whose health, uh, they just can't be here and never will be able to be here. Um, but for most of us, uh, church is not just watching a service and engaging as best we can, but it's, it's people, it's being part of that group. And uh, I hope that, uh, that you'll do that and come back and be a part of things as you're able to do so. Um, and as, we, as that starts to happen, I've been thinking about um, people who, who, who are coming back and maybe have been away for a while, and not just away physically, but been away spiritually. Just people who maybe have been away from God or people who will be coming here and maybe even here today for the first time and are looking for God. What, what do we have for those people? Um, what, what message do we have? And so I've been thinking about that some and, um, and what we do to help them kind of feel closer to God. And I've, <clears throat> I've compiled a list of, of scriptures from the Bible that I think maybe help with this. Uh, some things that we might be able to offer people, uh, this very, very positive, very encouraging uh, verses that describe in broad terms what God wants of us. And so you might think of this as, as sort of our message to people who need God. And I'm not going to really get into the context of them, but I'll just run through some just uh, real quickly. The, uh, the first one, when Jesus began his ministry, he told people to believe for the kingdom of heaven is near. Some, some good things are happening, so he wanted people to believe. Another one from his disciples kind of said the same thing. The disciples went out telling everyone they met to believe. And then uh, later in Luke 15... Uh, Jesus is being criticized for being with people who, who are away from God. And so he tells three stories about a lost coin, a lost sheep, and of course the lost son or the prodigal son. And all of those have this common thread. There is joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner believes. And that is, that is such a great message. And what I like about that is it's, it's, um, it's very friendly. <laughs> 
it's, it's very, um, very kind. It's very likable. Uh, it is a message that is easy to hear, and it is a message that is easy for us to say to people, right? If you're, if you're looking for God, you just need to, to, to believe in, in, in some way. But there is a problem with this message, and maybe some of you caught it. <laughs> this message is simply not true. It isn't true. What I've just said is not true. Um, and, and all I did was just make one little change, <laughs> just change one little word in all of these passages, and it is the word believes. That sounds good, but it's not what the Bible says. What does the Bible say in these verses? It says, there is joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. That's what Luke 15 says. And in Matthew 4, 17, Jesus said to repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. And the disciples went out telling everyone they met to repent. That's really what the message says. It's uh, that one little substitution uh, makes a significant difference. What I find interesting is that I think I could have just gone on and preached that entire sermon about you know, just some level of belief and, and might have gotten away with it <laughs> uh, because it sounded right, didn't it? I mean, if I were sitting where you were sitting, I don't know that I would have caught that. You know, maybe it's just a different translation or something like that. Um, but it just, it just sounds right. And I, one of the reasons that it sounds right to us is we know how fundamental belief is. I mean, that's, that's square one. Uh, nothing else that we say really about the Bible and the message of the Bible is going to make sense if, if we don't begin with this belief in God but my, my concern is how much the mindset of repentance has kind of been taken out of the gospel message. And it, it's just not something, you know, it's not likable like belief is. Uh, it maybe is not easy to say like believe is. Uh, it's, it's, it's not as, as easygoing, uh, maybe and as laid back as the message of belief is. Uh, and so this idea that, you, you just believe and everything will be good. That's actually kind of the way uh, I think our culture looks at Christianity, and I think it's found its way into the church and many Christian organizations and, and people as well. And it's not even belief in the, in the biblical sense of belief, that Jesus is the Son of the living God. It's more of just belief in a higher power. Uh, believe that there is a God. I may not have much to do with Him, uh, but when I'm in a jam, I'll, I'll call out to him, or it's believing that Jesus existed, um, and I don't know what is, the Bible says about him, and what I do know, you know, that, you know, the virgin birth, and coming back from that, you know, that, I don't know if I really believe all that, but I believe, I believe that there is a God of some form, and I believe that Jesus uh, did really live, and, and that's just kind of all that I've, all I've got. And that really is a very, is very much, the message that our, our culture has about what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. And it's very popular, too. Uh, like you see in this cartoon, you might not be able to see it if you can't see this screen very well, but uh, you know, two churches, one is doing a sermon series on what God has said, the other one is doing a series on what you would rather hear. <laughs> and uh, that's where all, all the people are. And so in contrast to that, 
Uh, I want to show how repentance is really central to the New Testament gospel message. And so I really have put together a list of of passages that, that talk about this, and the challenge has not been defined enough to make the point the challenge has been how to limit the, the number of passages to a manageable number. Uh, and again, we're not going to look at all these in, in uh, much context, but I just want you to listen to how, how much this message of repentance is a part of what, we'll start off with what Jesus, with what he had to say. When it was time for him to begin his ministry, um, he's, you know, he's, he's uh, been baptized, he's been out in the wilderness, he's resisted the temptations uh, of, of Satan, and now he, he's ready. I mean, it is, it is full on time to present the gospel message. We heard Matthew's account a moment ago. Mark said something similar, that Jesus went into Galilee where he preached God's good news. And that's the gospel, good news. And uh, Mark goes on and says, here's, here's what that message was. Jesus told them, the time promised by God has come at last, he announced. The kingdom of God is near. What do you do? Repent of your sins and believe the good news. And as you just follow Jesus throughout the Gospels, that's what he is doing over and over and over again. I, uh, when we lived in Searcy, Arkansas, I, I did an adjunct class at Harding University on the life of Christ. And I remember telling, uh, talking about this with uh, the students there, and, and uh, we were getting ready for our first exam. And, uh, and I, so I, I wrote it on the board, that's one sign that you ought to pay attention. And I even said, this will be on the test <laughs> uh, because that was the, probably the biggest question I got. You'll be talking about something. Will that be on the test? You know, well, I said, this is going to be on the test. And that Jesus, you know, it was, the question was something like, you know, the, the most dominant message that Jesus gave was love or it was repentance. And it was a question that was most often missed. Even when I told them it was going to be going to be on the test, it just doesn't sound right. Jesus is about love, he's about mercy, he's about grace, but the way he began his ministry was by saying, repent of your sins and believe the good news. He is about love and mercy and grace, but this was very much a part of his message. You see it again a little bit later on. Uh, in Luke 5, he's, you know, he's, uh, he's telling people why he came, that, that he, he, he wasn't there to call healthy people, but sick people. He says, I came to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners and need to repent. Same thing, same message is there in um, Matthew chapter 11. Jesus began to denounce the towns where he had done so many miracles because they hadn't repented of their sins and turned to God. They believed in Jesus. They saw the miracles, but that belief had not led to a real change of life. They had not repented. And the Gospels close out, uh, at least... uh, uh, one in uh, Luke's version, with Jesus saying that you know everything that's happened up to now was was foretold in by the prophets. They said that the Messiah was going to come. He was going to be rejected. Uh, he was going to be crucified, but he would be raised again three days later. And he says it was also written that this message would be proclaimed uh, in the authority of his name to all the nations, beginning in Jerusalem. And here's what the message was: there is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. Just throughout the Gospels, you hear this over and over and over again. Okay, well, what about the second generation? What about the disciples? We heard earlier that they went everywhere 
uh, calling people to repent when Jesus was on this earth, but what about when he left? Uh, He said that this is the message they're going to proclaim. Did they do that? The very first presentation of the gospel message in Acts 2, uh, you see people who who come to believe. They, They come to recognize that Jesus really is the Son of God. And so they say, what are... What are we supposed to do about that? And Peter's response is this. Each of you must repent. Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And so in the very first presentation of the gospel message, Peter says that. Second presentation of the gospel message, they've healed someone who was, who was uh, lame, and there's a crowd that gathers and Peter begins to talk to them, and he says, Now repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. Third presentation of the gospel message. A little bit later on in Acts 5, he's kind of defending this before the religious leaders, and Peter said God did this through Jesus. He did this so the people of Israel would repent of their sins and be forgiven. The second generation kept that message going. What about the third generation? That would be Paul, would be a good example of that, and those who came to believe through the disciples. Um, Paul was, on one occasion, was uh, telling his story to King Agrippa and and kind of making a case for Christianity. And uh, one of the things he told Agrippa was about his own experience with Jesus and how he had come to believe, and Jesus said, I've got something for you to do now, Paul. Changed his name from Saul to Paul, and he's going to send him out into the world. And so Paul is telling Agrippa about that, and he said, here's what I did. I preached first to those in Damascus, then in Jerusalem, and throughout all Judea, and also to the Gentiles. And then he tells what his message was. Anyone want to guess (laughs) what his message was? That all must repent of their sins and turn to God and prove they have changed by the good things they do. Prove they have changed by the good things that they do. You know, there are just so many more you can look at. You could get a concordance or, you know, just a, a word search and uh, uh, repentance in the New Testament and just find example after example. The message of our culture is that you just need belief. Really not even belief in Jesus as much. You just need belief. You just need to be a, spirit, a spiritual person. That's the message of our culture. The message of the Bible is that belief in Jesus inspires a way of life that reflects belief. And that's what we call repentance. And I think what we have to decide, what every generation of the church has to decide is, are we going to accept the message of our culture or are we going to be guided by the message of the Bible? Are we going to put this idea of repentance and that it does matter how you live? Are we going to just kind of set that in a closet somewhere? And we don't really want to talk about that much because uh, that's hard. You know, it's hard for people to change their lives. Uh, And so in the name of grace, are we just going to minimize uh, repentance? Or is it a message and a practice that needs to be a part of this generation's experience with the church as well. And as you can tell, that's, that's what we're going to do. We need to, we need to spend some time really understanding and talking about repentance. And, and, uh, and so we're going to do that. For the next several weeks, we're going to be focusing on repentance. Now, I can see where you might be thinking, well, this is just great. 
Uh, how soon can we can we speed up this preacher search <laughs> so we can get somebody in here quicker uh, so we don't have to listen to all this? And um, you know, is it is it is, are we going to do some kind of moral cleansing? You know, um, and I think even maybe bigger than that. I talked earlier about the need to present, you know, a positive message to the world. Are we exchanging that for a negative message? Uh, it, the next few weeks, is it going to be about, you know, turn or burn and just kind of, you know, driving us, driving us down? And that's, that's not what we're going to be doing at all. And so I just really want to set your, your minds at ease with that. Uh, in fact, I, there's, a, there's a specific way that I want us to look at this message of repentance. Several years ago, uh, my family lived in Tallahassee, Florida, preaching uh, the Meridian Woods Church there. And uh, we were going up to Fayetteville, Arkansas to visit family, uh, parents and in-laws, you know, and uh, grandparents and siblings, just a, a big gathering. And we would do that uh, at least once a year, sometimes twice a year. And this particular occasion, you know, our cars were getting a bit older, and um, you know, I, they were okay. I didn't want to replace them, but I wasn't real crazy about uh, launching out to go that far, a 17-hour drive. And so I had a discount or something like that, and decided to rent a car. Got a, a nice, you know, nice little uh, little car, and so got it, went out to the airport, got it, you know, just driving in town, got it back and loaded up. And then when we hit the road the next day, when we got on the interstate. I noticed that this car drifted to the right, kept turning to the right. So I'd bring it back to the center, you know, and you, it, it'd go to the right again. And uh, for 17 hours, I had a tug of war with that car. <laughs> it always wanted to drift off to the right, and my job was to bring it back. And so, you know, normally you're just kind of enjoying things, and you'll kind of make little course corrections. But the whole trip, I had to make sure that this car was going straight. Well, you probably recognize what the problem was. The, the car was out of what? Out of alignment. It was out of alignment. And that trip was not near as enjoyable as it could have been because the car was not performing as it was designed to perform. It, it was fighting against itself. And so that, that really is how we're going to approach this. And so I'm calling this series Alignment. As we focus on how we can align our lives, and this is what repentance is, we are aligning our lives with God's plan for us. This, this God who loves us enough that he would give his son to die on the cross for us. So this is not just someone who's kind of mean and making up a bunch of rules. He, he knows how we function best. He has the, he has the manual. He wrote the manual. And so we're going to look at his plan for our lives and then, okay, what, what course corrections do we need to make? How, how can we better align our lives with a God like that? You know, I, I love a, a passage we looked at earlier in Acts 3.19, that second presentation of the gospel message where uh, Peter told people to repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. I want us to read the next verse because the very... Next thing Peter says is, then times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord. I love that. It's not you're going to feel better, but times of refreshment, being restored inwardly, are, will come from the presence of the Lord. 
That, that's what happens when we're able to align our lives with His will. And that really is going to be the focus of this series. I'm not interested in blasting us because of the things that we, we do that are wrong. It doesn't help me. I don't think it helps you either. Rather, I, I want us to simply um, just look at God's plans for us and, and be inspired to live the way He wants us to live because we know that really is, is the best way. And so I, I hope you'll be here every week. And if you can't be here, I hope you'll tune in, <clears throat> especially if, if you have this fear that uh, repentance is something that is ugly. I hope you'll tune in and see what we're going to be doing with this. And I want to close just with, with this thought. God is never going to give up on us. We, we can be sure of that. God is never going to give up on us. He, he is never going to let us settle for less than we could be. God's never going to look at you and say, you know, you're, you're better than most people. At least you're, you're not only at church Sunday morning, but you're at early service on Sunday morning. Uh, and so you're, you're, kind of, you're doing pretty good. Why don't you just coast in the rest of the way home? God's trying to make us more like Jesus. And, uh, and when we're off on that, he is calling us to repent or change so that we can be more like Jesus. And he's never going to stop doing that. I think it is an amazing thing about God that his love leads him to accept us just as we are. His love leads him to accept us with the sin that we bring to the table. His love is that strong. But his love also leads him to not leave us there. His love uh, leads him to, to call us to leave that sin and to simply do better than we might have before. And so God very gently very firmly, very lovingly calls us to align our lives with His will. That's called repentance, and it is a wonderful blessing from God. Let's pray together. Father, we are thankful for uh, Your love and Your grace, uh, and we want to see that love and grace in a way that uh, it just inspires us to be everything that You want us to be. And uh, we are so thankful that you, you don't call us to be perfect because you've already made us perfect through Jesus. But in response to that, uh, we know there is a, a will that you have for us. And we just want to make sure that we are aligning our lives with your will uh, as best we can. So thank you for loving us enough uh, to, to bring us into a relationship with you. And thank you for loving us enough to help us change. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's stand.